Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's Word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their word for Christ. So here is what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. It consistently wins. So the Bible tells us how to fight the fight. He said lay hold on what? Eternal life. What does it mean to lay hold? When you got born again, you receive eternal life and that life is Christ. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it what? In abundance. So you got born again, you received the life of God. 1 John 5, 12 says, I write this unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Say with me, say, I am a possessor of the life of God. Say it, say, I am a possessor of the life of God. Once you're born again, the reason the Bible says, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, is because once you are saved, the life of God comes on the inside of you. You are not your former self anymore. The old you died and a new you was born in Christ. Say a new me was born in Christ. Say a new me was born in Christ. Come on, say that. Say a new me was born in Christ. Say I am a new man because I possess the life of God. Amen. So say I have eternal life. So once you're born again, what do you have? Say, I have eternal life. You are not going to have it. Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, I write unto you so you may know that you have what? Eternal life. Praise God. So I have it. But Paul is saying in 1 Timothy 6, 12, lay hold on eternal life. That's a different matter altogether. To be born again is to possess eternal life. But to fight the good fight of faith, you have to engage eternal life. Engaging eternal life is leveraging on the life of God that you have in order for you to fight the good fight of faith. Say amen. amen. And he tells us how to lay hold on eternal life. What did he say this? Whereunto you are called, you are called to engage eternal life in the good fight of faith. What did he say this? And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. The word profess means to confess. And I've told you confess doesn't mean confession of sin. Except you're applying it to confession of sin. Just like the word baptize doesn't mean water. Alright? There are different kinds of baptism. To confess comes from the Greek word called homo lojo. Two words, homo and lojo. Homo means saying the same thing. Lojo means to speak. So to profess means to say what God has said. And I've told you there is no power in saying what we think, there is no power in voicing our opinion and that of men. The power is in saying what he has said. And in this good fight of faith that we lay hold on eternal life, we lay hold on eternal life by professing a good confession. It's a good confession when we say what God has said. The Bible says, I, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you, so you may boldly say, the Lord is what? My helper, and I will not fear what man can do unto me. So God 
has said in the written word and by his spirit, so we will continue to say. Now, we've entered week seven in our 60 days of uh, signs, wonders, and miracles. One of the scriptures, if you read Hebrew chapter 12, the Bible says, see that you do not resist the one who speaks. So God is still speaking. He has spoken by his written word, which is the final authority. And the Holy Ghost is still speaking to guide us in wisdom and counsel to comply with all that has been said. Say good amen. amen. Alright, so we said that the warfare of the believer is a good fight. Because it's a fight that leverages on eternal life where we keep saying what God has said. And we said we need to be careful what has defined spiritual warfare for us. Spiritual warfare must be defined on the premise of scripture and the spirit of God. Not, not on skits, not on what you watch in Nigerian home video, not on what you think, not on your dreams. Spiritual warfare is defined by the word of God. Everybody say by the word of God. What is our manual for spiritual warfare? Everybody say the word of God. If it's not in the word, then it is not to be considered. Because Satan will mess you up big time. All those movies you see, vampire movie, werewolves, um, you know all those horrible things you see. All those, the, those, that's not the devil. Those are twisted caricature of a mind that is influenced by the devil. Because the devil wants every believer to think of him like a monster. Some of you, the kind of version you have about Satan is a vampire. Somebody that sucks blood. Abi? Eh? That's what some of you think about the devil. Because some witches confess that you know, when we wanted to suck blood, we were going to cause accident in the road, so we suck blood. So in your mind, Satan is a vampire. We said in spiritual warfare, our security briefing is from our commander-in-chief. Who is he? Who is our commander-in-chief? I'm not hearing everybody. Who is our commander-in-chief? So if the information you have about spiritual warfare is the testimony of a possessed person, there's something is wrong with you. Satan will mess you up big time. Our commander-in-chief gave us the MO of Satan, his modus operandi. The Bible says his mission is to deceive. Is that not so? Why does he deceive? Because he's a liar and the father of lies. There is nothing the devil will tell you that will be truth because there is no truth in a lie. First John 2, 21. There is no truth in a lie. Are you hearing me? That's why you will know Satan never wasted, I mean Jesus, sorry. Jesus never wasted time talking to the devil. Some of you like entertainment. You love it. When did you enter? You want him to tell you the truth when he entered. Yes, I entered in 1979 when they were sacrificing by the river. And as they entered the river, and I entered the mother and the grandfather, and I used the grandfather to destroy all the family. He's already sowing strife in your family. Or maybe you were calling with your mother-in-law. Then this way, I know what to do. Since you are giving him attention, he will enter and say, well, yeah, I entered the mother-in-law and I want to spoil their marriage. Ah, ah. Then the wife will now say, uh-huh. Okay, so now you be the one who the word in my family. So all our lack of discipline and bad behavior will not be blamed on the mother-in-law. So you need to be careful. That's what the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't read your Bible? This 60 days, it's a discipline, like a boot camp. This week we're reading six chapters. We did eight last week. We finished Revelation. And this remaining two, we're going to finish the remaining gospel. So we're going through the entire New Testament in 60 days. 
If you cannot discipline yourself to read your Bible, how can you fight? How can you enforce your victory? You waste all your energy on social media and you're wondering why you're complaining the way you're complaining. Satan is a master at deception. Did you understand what I said? Satan is what? A master at what? Deception. Jesus stripped him of all his authority and power. So what he has now is deception. Revelation 12 9 says, he said the devil deceived the whole world. That's his mission. He cannot do anything without deceiving you first. And last Sunday, we began to look at the temptations, uh, um, how Satan works. Satan is called a tempter. And, and God, God doesn't tempt men. I hope you know that. He will test you, but he won't necessarily tempt you because God doesn't tempt. Let me put it better. God does not tempt men with evil. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I said? Revel I mean, James 1 says, when a man is tempted, let him not say, I am tempted of God. For God does not tempt any man with evil. A man is only tempted when he's drawn by what? His own lust and enticed. There is nothing about you that God doesn't know. He doesn't need to uh, tempt you to find out. He knows. That's why when God tests you, he's not testing you because of him. He's testing you because of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we, 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 we said that Satan's weapon in warfare, according to the word of God, Ephesians chapter 6 says, be strong in the Lord and what? And in the power of his might. Put on, verse 11, put on the old armor. Everybody said the old armor. And I told you the armor are word-based. They are what? How do you put on the armor? What you say. It's called the armor of light. The entrance of the word give it light and understanding to the simple. What you say is your armor. That's why when you don't say anything, you leave yourself naked. Because something else is... And if you don't take dominion because you have the advantage, advantage that is not engaged is not advantage. I hope you know that. How many of you know that? If you have an advantage and you don't use the advantage, it is not a, an advantage anymore. It becomes a disadvantage. So we, we said the armor is word-based. These are scriptures, revelations of the word of God, inspired prophetic confession. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 8, 18. He said concerning the prophecies. What are prophecies? They are words inspired by the spirit. He said by them thou mightest well a good warfare because it's a good fight of faith so if you are not saying anything brothers and sisters you are not laying hold on eternal life and you are not leveraging on your advantage you're just watching the devil play the game so we said satan's weapon in this warfare is called wiles put on the old armor that you may be able to stand against what the wiles of the devil that's what you're dealing with and I like the reference in Ephesians 6, 11, stand. The word stand suggests you have an advantage. And it shows that you've been given a foundation of victory. Galatians 6 says, stand fast. I think 5, sorry, 5, 1. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And be not entangled with the yoke of bondage anymore. So we, we have a stand. And that stand is the liberty of Christ. Say amen. And the Bible says if we don't stand with it, we will not be able to go against the wiles of the devil. What is a wile? I've explained that. They are deceptive lies of the devil. And we investigated the first temptation where Satan engaged this wile in the book of Genesis. 
And we made a statement in that temptation that all temptation begins because of the word, what God has said. Is that not true? Satan will attempt to pervert or distract or mislead you from the truth. So if your understanding of what God says is not airtight, if it's religiously biased, you don't stand a chance. You will fall for Satan's deception. Because Satan's warfare is a mind game. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The, the primary level, have you ever played a game before? My son likes playing game. Have you ever played a game before? A game, it has a realm. It has a realm where they play, a place where they play. This warfare, where we fight it, first of all, is the mind. We fight it in the arena of our thoughts. Whatever it determines how we think will determine how we, play, how we fare in this warfare. And Satan understands that, but very important. Paul summarized the temptation in, in the Garden of Eden in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He said, I fear, lest as the serpent beguile Eve, that you may be corrupted from the, your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is what? In the gospel. So what's going on in your head or in your mind? What's going on? How are you thinking right now? How you think will determine whether you're losing or you are standing in your victory. Because Satan came, and, and, and we said that if you are not airtight, if you don't know what God's word says, you're going to be a victim of two things. Either you exaggerate or you omit. Is that not so? What made, if you, if you study the temptation, last Sunday I shared with you some, some angle that we had not seen about the temptation before. Before Satan could lodge his wiles, he will first test your understanding of scripture. If you don't know the Bible, pam, he knows what will hit you. Then in your knowledge of the Bible, he will try to find out whether you omit or you exaggerate. And I warned you from Revelations, we are not to add or subtract. We are to emphasize what has been written and what has been said. Even when the Bible is explained, scriptures explains scriptures. Are you hearing me? Bible says no portion of the Bible is of private interpretation. So the Bible will always explain itself. Are you hearing me? There, there is no fantastic explanation that is outside scripture. Any revelation that is shared is always based in the word of God. The word of God will complement itself. Because the word of God is not just writers. These are the counsel of God's wisdom that has been documented in written preach. So the first thing he said to Eve, did God say you should not eat of anything, all the trees in the garden. He was testing the accuracy of scripture with Eve. Eve said, well, no. He said we can eat of everything in the garden. Is that not what he said? He said, he said but, but, but of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, we should not eat lest we die. That was not what God said. In Genesis 2, 16, God says, you shall surely die. You know what surely means? Set, that is, if you disobey this instruction, you will what? The consequence of death is built into the disobedience. Nobody say God is killing. No, no, God is not actually killing. The wages of sin is what? Yes. I went out for evangelism yesterday and somebody asked me a question. He said, sir, I've heard what you said about the gospel. I just have one question. Actually two. He said, if God has done something about sin, why is sin still causing chaos in this world? Because I told him, I said, the foundation of man's problem is sin. The wickedness between men and men is sin. Corruption is a sin problem. Banditry is a sin problem. Terrorism is what? It's a sin problem. 
I said, but Jesus has judged sin. He became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He said, okay, so if Jesus has done, why is sin? And I asked him, I said, do you know soap? Have you seen soap before? He said, yes. I got that wisdom from Ryan Bonkin. I said, if you are dirty, if you hold soap, are you automatically clean? He said, no. I said, so does the presence of soap mean that you are automatically clean? He said, no. I said, if you want to be clean, what do you do with soap? You use it. You put it inside sponge and you scrub your body. Is that not so? I said, the blood of Jesus has been shed for every man to deliver man from the power and the influence of sin so that sin will no longer have dominion over you. I said, but if you do not believe and receive it, I said, that's why we go out and preach. That's why the gospel is called good news so people can know that Jesus has judged sin and when you believe and accept him, he gives you the power to live above sin. Say amen. amen. Am I making sense? So, so Eve said, lest you die. But in Genesis 2, 16, God says, the day you eat of it, you shall surely. There's a difference with you shall surely die unless you die. Surely means there is no, it's certain. Unless you die, it's a probability. So it's possible you may die and you may not die. When Satan saw that, then, boom, he struck. Because the inaccuracy, and, and look, can I say this to all of you? That the time you don't have to read your Bible, you are just supplying Satan with raw material to deal with you. Your lack of discipline in reading the word and praying and fellowshipping and coming to church to hear God's word so you can be rooted and grounded in the word. You are using your negligence to supply Satan MO to deceive you. Because when crisis will come, your lack of depth will show. All of a sudden, you start talking anyhow. Hey, God, I don't die. Who is killing you? I don't know. How can you say you are dying and you don't know? You start talking anyhow. And the more you speak like that, the more you say, I, say, I know I he's thinking. Because he doesn't know what is in your head. You have to say it so he can have an idea what you are thinking. So he knows how to craft and manipulate the situation to get you to think the way he wants you to think. So when he said that, he said, ah, then Satan said, you will not die. He said, God knows. He now noticed that Eve was a victim of omission and exaggeration of scripture. That accuracy in the word of God is not, is not depth, not deep. And when he did that, he said you will not die. He said God knows that the day you eat of it, you shall be like gods. Knowing the difference between good and evil. That was all the devil said and he left. He had already put, planted his suggestion and that was it. That's the world you are not dealing with. That's the world that has created chaos. That's the world that educated and corrupted the soul of men today. Same deception, same lie. When, when Satan wanted to cause a chaos in Israel at one time, David was sitting down and he spoke through some of his advisors and convinced him to number Israel. And when he did that, the judgment of God came. And over 70,000 people died in one day just by a thought. I was planted in his mind. That's how powerful the wise are. I showed you from number 25. That the purpose of a while is to vex. To vex means to harass, to afflict, to oppress. Satan cannot oppress you without first deceiving you. And once he deceives you and you fall for the deception, then you not give him legitimate ground to come into your life. That's what the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Is everybody getting that? Why do we need to hear God's word? So that we can be rooted and grounded in the scripture. Paul said in, uh, I think it's uh, Colossians 3.15, I believe. He said, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. 
Tell your neighbor, is the word of God rich inside you? Because if it's not rich enough, the words of men will still be having the upper hand in your mind. Your opinion will still be having the upper hand in your mind. What you hear on the news will still be having the upper hand in your mind. The things that are going out there in the world will still be having the upper hand in your life. Why? Because the, you've not allowed the word of Christ to dwell richly in you. So when situations and circumstances come, you are very poor in your response and reaction because you're not rich in the word of God dwelling inside you. Today we're going to look at another temptation. When Jesus, our master, was tempted by Satan. And I want to tell you, as we go into the scripture, Satan deployed the best of his wiles. And the best of Satan's wiles are three. They are what? Three. How many? Three. We're going to see them. The Bible calls them the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan deployed all the three of them. And Jesus knocked all of them out. And, and we will see from the temptation of Jesus how to properly deal with Satan. The scriptural way. Are you hearing me? I, I'm not talking about that lack of understanding. I told you how we used to cast that devil when I grew up. Come out, come out, come out. One hour. You will have a headache after deliverance session. Because you are shouting, come out, come out. So you may ask, is it that the name is not working? Or the devil is very powerful? Or something is wrong somewhere? Come out, come out, come out, come out. The person that will need that. And, and I later realized that some of the falling under the power were not actually Holy Ghost. The person was tired. He just collapsed. Just scream. We were for. Oh, so hallelujah. It's not hallelujah. He's, the person is tired. Then when we're done with one hour of prayer, Satan leaves a nonsense in your head. Say there are some tough demons. There are no tough demons. You only have tough ignorance. So let's get clarity. Everybody say clarity. I didn't hear everybody. Yes. Say clarity. Yes. Let's get clarity from those. So we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. George, is that you? Praise God. You're welcome. He used to be in our campus fellowship. He actually got born again there. That was almost 20 years ago. You're welcome. Hallelujah. Okay. Are we ready? Let's get into the word. Let's look at the temptation of Jesus. All these are recorded in the scripture so that you and I can learn from them. Say amen. amen. Say good amen. amen. Alright, let's see the warfare that took place and how Jesus taught us to fight. And this is where the disciples, um, the Apostle Paul got his instruction uh, in the epistle that the Spirit of God gave to him. Are we ready? Alright, let's look at the temptation of Jesus. I said the devil deployed the best of his while while tempting Christ. Remember the purpose of temptation Temptation itself is not a sin. It's a baiting. It's an opportunity for you to make a choice. If you have truth, you overcome. If you don't have truth, you fall. Alright? So, the devil deployed the best of his while while tempting Jesus. All the wiles of the devil are based on three lusts. Three lusts. I've told you. But first of all, what is lust? I've taught you this. But just as a recap, we said the word lust means a longing for something that is forbidden. What? Everybody say longing. Yeah. So we can look at lust as forbidden desires. Write this down. The soul of man thrives and functions with desire. Write that down. What is the soul of a man? His mind, his will, and his emotions. It thrives on desire. Also, your spirit works with the desires in your soul. That's why your belief system 
is initiated from your mind. Blind the minds of those that believe not. And your mind is a part of your soul. When the desires of your soul are corrupt, then your soul becomes a weapon in the hand of Satan against you. And when the desires in your soul are corrupt, they are called lust. Everybody say lust. So uh, lust is a mindset that exists in your soul as a desire. A mindset is a way of thinking. So your desire is actually an expression of how you think and what you want. So the devil is interested in that. Remember the devil is not a creator. All he does is to corrupt. And your desires matters because the kind of desires that operates in your soul will determine whether you cooperate with God or you resist him. And if you're not cooperating with God, that means you're cooperating with the devil. And in temptation, Satan wants to test what's in your heart. And if your desires are not established in the word of God, he'll corrupt them and plant the wrong desires in your heart so that you can become a weapon, you can become a tool in his hand to use. So please understand this. All that Satan has according to scripture are three things. So we said lust is forbidding desire. Now, a little, just, I don't want to go fast because I need to study, stay, stay on where I am. We said lust is a corruption. Everybody say corruption. Because it's forbidding desires. It's a corruption that was introduced into the soul of man through sin. God originally created man to be blameless spirit, soul, and body. And the only thing man desired and wanted after man was created was God. He didn't know any other thing. The only thing he knew was what God said. That was why when Adam fell and God said, where are you? He said, I heard your voice because I was naked and I was afraid and I decided to hide. Then God asked him a question. Who told you? The last time I left, I didn't tell you you were naked. So who did you speak with? Who planted that thing inside you? Who said you were naked? I didn't make you naked. You were clothed with my glory. But the corruption had been introduced into the soul of man. And man was not answering God based on that corruption. So lust is a corruption that was introduced into the soul when man sinned. Because when man sinned, man died spiritually. And the nature of death is Satan's nature. It has an intelligence. It has a presence. And it works. And it started corrupting the faculty of man. That's why, if you notice... Um, God didn't create man to initially die. Death was foreign. Fiscal death, I mean. was foreign to man. But after man fell, in order for death to have a, a stronger fiscal hold on the body, the nature of sin had to teach the body of man and teach man how to die quick. And did that by using laws to corrupt the way he thinks and the way he speaks. And as, as, as the knowledge of sin began to increase... What man spoke was growing and becoming more dominated by death itself. That's why the Bible says life and death is in the power of what? The tongue. We started speaking death, thinking death and speaking death. It has become so normal these days that life expectancy is less than 100 years for some. Because of the way they talk. Yeah, it's good to eat healthy. It's good to have. But the most important health is your mouth and your mind. Did you hear what I said? Ask your neighbor, are you healthy in your mind? Are you healthy in your words? What you think 
and what you say is the most important. Your sanitation must begin from there. Did you hear what I said? The, the, to tell you the truth, many believers are unhealthy in the way they think and the way they speak. Because the word of God, when the Bible talks about the renewing of your mind, to renew your mind means to replace those mindsets that has been informed by lust with the revelation of Christ. Say amen. That's why we say renew your mind. Um, Romans 12 verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. What is in the world? It's the lost. But be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. So you may prove or test what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will. As lost is running your mind, you will resist the will of God. You will not want it. He'll fill you with psychology that has no respect and regard for the will of God. He will enthrone your selfishness and make you look at life based on what you want. Say, what of me? What do I want? What, of my, what, what do I want? You're always talking about forgetting that when you got born again, he that died, died for us so that we who live will not live unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us. As opposed to, I, I posted out this morning on my Facebook page, and I said, many of us live from a place of selfishness. We forget that in Christ, we are going to stand before Christ and give an account of our life. How we lived and served him with his grace. You're going to give an account. Every believer born of God. Bible said it in, in, in Corinthians. You will stand before Christ. There is the judgment of the sinners, but there is also a judgment for the believer. You will give account of the way you lived. So if you live selfishly, you're going to give account of your life. And so you're supposed to live here with a sense of accountability to Christ, knowing that everything you do and say, you will give account before God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did you hear what I said? Aha. Uh -huh. So you, living selfishly is resisting the will of God for your life. And, and when selfishness dominates your life, where what you think and what you feel and what you want is more important than the will of God, then that means lost has built a sask. There, there are era boys inside your soul. Look at your neighbor and say, are you hearing what God is saying? Yes. Tap your neighbor and say, are you listening to what God is saying? Yes. So lust is a corruption. Your spirit becomes instantly saved, but your mind is in the process of being renewed from all the inherited and acquired lust that your former nature taught you, your nurturing taught you, your culture taught you, your education taught you, your experiences. There are lost, many of us here have acquired from just the experiences we've gone through. There are lots some of us have acquired forbidden desires, you know what I mean, that we've acquired because of our education. Our education has planted some rebellions in our thinking, perceived life, and the way we live. So it's only the word of God that can sanitize. Lost is a corruption. You can never think clearly and think well. But I, I need to show you some things. Glory be to God. Are you still with me? All right. So I said lust is a corruption that was introduced into the soul of man through sin. Man was originally created to long only for God and the things of God. When Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For some people, how can I seek God when I have school fees to pay? When I have rent to pay? When I'm owing somebody? When I'm looking for a house? You see the problem? Jesus said, why take it thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will wear, and for your body, what you will put on? Is life not more important than these things? But what did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What will happen? Every other thing shall be added. So, lust tells you, no. Seek God, but also seek other things. 
That's why some of us don't serve God the way we want to serve him. Because our interests are multiplied. Jesus told Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. But only one is important. And one, one thing is him. When you come to church, you're seeking him. When you hear the word, you're seeking him. When you pray, you are seeking him. When you meditate on the word, you're seeking him. When you do the word, you're seeking him. When it becomes a priority in your life, every other good thing that has been built to follow you will find you. But loss will not want you to accept that without a fight. He will convince you that you have the responsibility to take care of yourself and he will use situation and circumstances around you to amplify other necessities of life. Because there are some people who are, I'm telling you now, they are in church. For instance, you could be here. The meeting you want to hold by 3 o'clock is what you are thinking now. And you will say it, this person never know me. Kai, yeah, 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 yeah. When I say I'm today, I will give him a piece of my mind. It is not a joke. Father God, I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Meanwhile, you are fighting inside your mind. <laughs> oh, Joyce, Joyce. Oh, Jesus, Joyce, Joyce. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I will deal with Joyce today inside church. Oh. I will show Joyce. I Joyce don't know me. Joyce has been thinking I'm a fool. Make no worry. We'll go, we'll go see. Then I'm preaching, you'll be shaking your head. Me, I'll be taking is the word you're hearing. Oh. Meanwhile, it is that fight you want to go and fight after service that your, your mind is thinking about. That's what lust has done to us. It has diluted our spiritual effectiveness where we're exalting the interests of men above the interests of God. That's what lust does. And, and Satan came gone blazing with all of them. Now, hear this. That man originally was created to long only for God and the things of God. But when Adam sinned, the soul of man fell because of loss. Now, turn your Bible to first John 2, verse 15 and 16. But we need to understand what Satan deployed against Jesus. And you should know that that's what he's deploying against you and I today. Because that's all there is. I, I like the security briefing of Jesus because it tells you what is and what is not. Is that not true? If you try to fight spiritual warfare outside scripture, you're going to run the risk of misrepresentation, mischaracterization, and mixtures. I told you that. That's what happens. Because you're trying to understand a word that only God can tell you. Hello? Yeah. Just drop all those kits and, and movies that you have watched. That's no warfare. It's more sinister than that. Are you hearing me? It's not about Dracula, vampire, something sucking your blood. It's more sinister than that. Satan wants to give you a mindset of a monster so he can plant fear inside your heart. So be careful. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Are you ready for this? Are you learning something this morning? Alright, what did he say? Love not the word. Tell your neighbor, say, are you in love with the word? You will answer that. Don't worry. You will know whether you are or not shortly. Love, but the Bible says, I didn't build you to love the word. I only built you to love God, not love the word. Love not the word. Then ask your neighbor, are you in love with the things of the word? Yeah, you're a creature of love, but you need to be careful. What are you loving? Loving the word, bad move. Loving the things of the word, bad move. He says, if any man loves the word, and by default the things of the word, what did he say? The love of the Father is not in him. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. You may be born again. The word not there means it's the love of God is not 
actively engage in the proper direction. That's what it means. So to God, when you love the world, the love of the Father is not. That means you don't love the Father. So what is not in you is the love. It's not that you don't possess the nature of love, but that the love of the Father is not in you because people who love the world and the things of the world cannot love God. Did you hear what I said? You can't mix the two together. You are either loving God or you're loving the word and the things of the word. God says if you do that, then he tells us, and I like the Bible, he explains this. I'll go to verse 16. We'll read 16 and 17. He says, there is to know. Is that not so? Because all is what? All. Mean no exception. All is not used in reference to the word. All that is in the world, what is it? Lust of the flesh. What is the second one? The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So the presence of the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life means you, are, you don't love God. You love the world and the things of the world. Now, verse 17. Want to go. And the world passeth away, and the loss thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Now, hear this and hear me. To love the world is proof of the corruption that is working in the soul of man. Because you were not built to love the world. God didn't design you that way. When God created Adam, he didn't say love Eden. What did he say? Dress and keep. That was assignment based. Assignment means this is what I want you to do. Dress and what? Keep the garden. Did he say love the garden? Love the fruit. Love everything. Love uh, the animal. Love, you know, the animal lovers. Love animals. Somebody say, meet my two sons. So he was waiting for people to call. Two dogs ran out. Say, this is Tommy. This is one thing. Love, love. And, and, that, and this corruption, it is proof that corruption is at work in the soul of men. What are you in love with? All right? So, to love the world is proof of corruption in the soul. It is loss that makes one loves the world and the things that are in the world. It's lost. Everybody say lost. What is lost? Forbidden desires. Lost comes from, according to scripture, it comes from three, or is generated or activated. Remember I told you, lost is forbidden desires. That means it takes your desires and twists them or corrupts them. So lust is desires twisted in the wrong direction. That's what lust is. Lust is what? Desires twisted in the wrong direction. Wrong focus, wrong emphasis. You are longing for wrong things. Imagine what is giving people high blood pressure. healed in one of our meetings there in school. And he was telling me, see, Pastor, there's a story of um, a guy, a, a chief that just died in one of the community there. And when they were bringing subvention, he would be using the money that he's supposed to develop his community to marry more wives and buy more car. Somewhere along the line, his junior brother became insane and walks on the street. So when he died, because some of these people that, that are corrupt, they forget that they, don't, they will not live forever. When they were digging the grave, this uh, insane brother walked into where they were and demanded he wanted because he was laid on state there and when they wanted to see the brother the grave of the brother so they went 
They wanted to stop him, but they said, leave him. So he came, looked at the dead body for a while, then walked to where they were digging the grave. And he stared at them and he began to shout. What is wrong with you guys? This grave is not big enough. It will not contain his car. It will not contain this. It will not contain this. But they wanted like, they not started laughing. When he finished, he entered the road and continued with his insanity. Paul said, we came to this world with nothing. And we're going to live with what? Nothing. That thing you are, that is not making you serve God. That you're using as an excuse to not love God and his kingdom. That takes your attention and you will pass away and leave it. It will not stay with you forever. The world and his lost will end. Only those who love God will continue to live. So the love of God is eternal. It doesn't only carry you in this realm. It carries you beyond this realm. Am I making any sense? So all the lost is generated from three sources. The Bible says flesh, eyes, and what? Pride of life. Let me give you quickly what we mean by pride of life. Pride of life means material possession and achievement. That's what pride of life is. I'm going to show you from the Bible. Remember we've established from the scripture that flesh, whenever I use the word flesh, flesh is in nature and a mindset. Say with my say flesh is in nature and a mindset. So when, 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 when man sinned, man depraved. The word depraved means to sink into uh, iniquity. Man became depraved. Depraved by nature and by thinking. And we saw the depravity of the mind of man in Genesis when God decided to do what you call environmental sanitation in order to preserve his plan. He had to do damage control. He said the imaginations of the minds of men were only wicked continually. So when the corruption had cor uh, affected the imagination to that degree, God said, no, no, I need to stop this. So he, he walked with a man who agreed to walk with him, which was Noah and his family, eight of them, and he wiped out the entire generation. Or otherwise, man would have self-destruct. Already they were even embarking on a project that would destroy them. We want to build a building from the natural to the spirit realm. Is that possible? So please understand this. It's very important we get this right, all right? So, flesh is a mindset, it's a nature, and what? It's a mindset. In the scripture, the human nature, without the influence of the nature of God, is called flesh. That's the spiritual definition. Every man, when before we got born again, we received the nature of sin. And the nature of sin is flesh, because flesh came from sin. The presence or the effect of sin in the human nature is called flesh. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? The effect and the workings of the nature of sin in the human nature is called flesh. Human nature depraved into a mode called flesh. And flesh is, that's where selfishness came from. Because selfishness is a mentality, it's a mindset. Man became self-centered because of sin. When man fell, man became self-centered. Self-interest. You saw the first manifestation. When God asked Eve, uh, Adam, what do you do? My wife. My wife, what did this happen? Everybody became self-preservation mode, which is the manifestation of selfishness. All right? So flesh is both a nature and what? A mindset. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. All right? So the flesh is a product of the sin nature. It is also a kana. And a self-centered way of thinking and acting. 
So when the Bible says you are in the flesh, walk not in the flesh, that means don't walk in a carnal way of thinking and acting. Is that clear? Go to Romans 8 verse 3 quickly. Romans 8 verse 3 to verse 7. We're going to read that to explain what the flesh is. So when we say the lust of the flesh, we're not talking about desires that are generated from the flesh. That's what the Bible means. The lust of the flesh means forbidding desires that are generated from where? The flesh. Let's see what the Bible says about the flesh as a nature and a mindset. Romans 8, 3 to verse 8. And Jesus is the cure for all of them. Say amen. Are we there? Romans 8, 3 to 6. He said, for what the law, that's the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses, could not do in that what? It was weak through the flesh. The flesh there is not talking about pomo, meat, shaki, assorted. No. The flesh there is talking about the effect of the nature of sin in the human nature. And the damage it has produced in the minds of men. Are you listening to what I'm saying? For what the law could, that was why men couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. So God had to create a priesthood. He says, God sending his own son in what? In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus had to become flesh and blood so he can partake of the sin nature and destroy it. Somebody say, glory be to God. Verse 4, that the righteousness, glory be to God. See, the law was righteous. The law was spotless. The law was faultless. But the vessel the law were walking through were not righteous and they were not spotless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the, instead of producing life, the law produced death. Okay? Now, he said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who work not after the flesh, but after what? The spirit. Are you looking at your Bible? Are you looking at your Bible? Verse 5. For they that are after. This after is talking about a mindset. Because when you are born again, you are no longer in the flesh. Your nature has changed to that of Christ. So when you're born again, you are not in the flesh. That's why I said in verse 1 of Romans 8. He said, for there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He didn't say if. It was a statement of fact. So the day you got born again, the nature of flesh was destroyed. And a new nature was imparted into you. But your, that new nature has to become your mindset. So you still have to deal with the residual effect of the nature of the flesh in the way you are thinking. That's why the renewing of the mind comes in. To renew your mind from those flesh deposits in your mind. So that you don't become a victim of the lust of the flesh. Say amen. Are you still there? For they that are after the flesh do mind. So the word after the flesh means to be flesh mind. Thank you. I like that. To be flesh minded. Everybody say flesh minded. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, which is also flesh minded, is what? Is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's to think according to the mind of Christ. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither it did can be. So they, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Is that clear? So the flesh is a mindset, is a nature, and a mindset. Say amen. The second source of lust is what the Bible calls eyes. 
The word eyes is very important. Let me not bore you with the Greek word. But the, the, the meaning of the word eyes has a literal meaning and it also has a figurative meaning. Write this down. The literal meaning of the word eyes means vision or sight. What you see. And what you see is talking about both what you see through your mind and what you see with your physical eyes. Because your physical eyes is a gateway to your mind. It's one of the gateways to your mind. Some of the loss you and I have is because of what you will see. Some of you have what I call big eyes. What did I say? Big eyes. You want to marry like Messi Chiu. Because you went there, all the singer came. Say, my own two will be back. No, no, that's lost. That is what? Lost. Want Moses Bliss to come, all the singers to come. So if you don't, if you it's not like that, then you're not going to put the pressure on that young, innocent boy that is trying to start his life. Want to kill him. So you're not even the shame. Don't be your mate, they marry. It's called lost. Some of you like big things. Can I tell you, ceremony in marriage is not, it's not a scriptural thing. It's a personal and private thing. If you have money, do. If you don't have, don't do. Everyone will not be angry. Some of the people who are putting pressure on you, all they want to do is come and chop and go. Put bill on top of your head. How can you go and borrow money to, to, to do wedding, to, to feed people that, that don't even like you? Somebody said, I the quarrel with you, but not with your rice. My vest now, not you, not the rice. I not come for you now, your rice. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the word eyes means vision, what you see. Some of you, the pressure you are under right now is because of what you saw. You saw your maid that came to school, is working in an oil company because of what you saw. And you saw him driving a nice car, working in a nice place, and you, you are working in Nepal. So you are ashamed. For what? Because your eyes is not sanctified. Some of you cannot even be thankful that you have one room. Because you saw your friend sitting in a duplex. Then when, when you saw the when you come, you, you came back, hi. This word is not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. How can I? See, no, my man goes, I even do get two one or two two you get. No, this is not fair. This word is not fair. My village people are disturbing me. <laughs> village people. Who are these village people? Who are they? Some of you want to dress big. Bigger than what you can afford. Because of what you saw. You want to dress big. You want to wear expensive hair. So that they call you a babe of class. Nonsense. What do you mean by babe of class? It's lost of the eyes. So have you not seen the way? She wears designers. What is designer? He's a man that is smart enough to tell you that if you don't have his clothes, you, your life will not be better. And you believe this lie. That's a designer. Or you don't know what that's what is designer. Go and study brand psychology. Brand psychology is that they don't sell product, they sell lifestyle. They convince you that if you don't have this shoe, you're not a normal person. So what, what would I do when I say, no man in China? And China said, we don't care. Come and collect. <laughs> we all create class. It's all ice thing. It's an ice thing. Some of you are so ashamed because of what you saw. You hide because of what you saw. Meanwhile, the devil is using it against you in this war. Eyes. Vision. What you see. 
many of us, the pressure we have now is because what we saw. What we saw has not given us a definition of what we perceive we are. You know, people say, it's not me. That's not me. I don't want to change me. And I ask you a question. What, what's the me? Who is the me? Is it the me that Jesus died for or your own me that you saw from somewhere? So, no, you see, my own thing. What do you mean my own thing? There's no your own thing. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and did what? Gave his life for me. And your nature in Christ should bias what you see with your eyes. You go to your mate, you saw DSTV. And you know your salary cannot contain DSTV. You not go and borrow money. Then you not come for breakthrough meeting. Pastor, pray, I'm in debt. It's you that put yourself there. You want to live big life. Yes, you want to live big life. Spray big perfume. Carry big phone. You will lie, cheat, deceive, and manipulate to get the phone. And you call it the spirit of God is blessing me. Better be very careful. Though. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It means using it against us. Even in ministry. It's not based on what we see. You go to a place. Oh, say, man, did you go to that ministry? Oh boy, that place is like heaven. Excuse me. Heaven what? See, they have light. Oh, you go and the stage, as the person preaches, the stage is moving. It's not turning. And oh boy, see the choir. Jesus. What's wrong with you? You're talking like, like mad people. Because of what we saw. Oh, check the pastor's wife. That's how depraved I've become. He came to look at the pastor's wife. Ice, ice. Now, 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 some of you, some, some guys are praying that God should deliver you from your lost. Because the kind of level you have given to yourself is God, God did, even God <coughs> who made you didn't give you that one. The level you have put yourself, nobody can reach you. No man can marry you. Nobody can touch your realm. I don't take nonsense. I don't, there's a word that I want to go by. I don't speak words like that. I don't take nonsense. No problem. Live your life. Nonsense-free life. Live it. No, I, I, I just... This is fake. I blame you. I don't blame you. That's why you're talking like that. You have mouth to say which is fake. There's a friend of mine. Ephemo, you remember Ephemo? Yes. When he got married, his wedding ring was 5,000. Um, 5, he told me confidence. Tell you, I say, I don't get money. Where, you know where this house are sell? All those they are fake. Just collect two. Put it in one container. Say, now, well, told you, no man, say no problem. Say, now, what do we get? But some of you, me, go. I will start ring. Hey! Hey! I don't blame you. Now, because of the way I carry you, I don't fall for your hands. No problem. Let's stand up. My time is up. <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll continue in the second service. Father, we thank you. Come on, lift your hands and bless him. We give you praise. We thank you for the word. We pray that that word will take root in our hearts and renew our mind. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your offering. If you're giving online, the accounts will be placed there. Father, we thank you for 
another opportunity to honor you with our offerings. We acknowledge you always as our source, supplier, and sustainer. You are everything that we have and will ever need. We worship you with, because we know you gave us seed to sow and bread to eat. We continue to receive faith to abandon to every good works. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All right, quickly take your seat while you take the offering. Is, the, is it ready? Can we just go through uh, some of the posts in the week and let's just read them? All right, everybody want to go? We'll read it together. I want to go. We cannot afford to live and serve God with selfishness because we will all stand before Christ to give account of how we lived. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like these.